Sometimes animals aren't as cute as they are terrifying. This is Darkness Prevails, the place to share your true stories with the world, because this world is a strange one. If you're subscribed to this channel, then you know that I like to read stories about monsters, real life boogeymen and demons of every variety. But today we're getting more down to earth. I've got some allegedly true and terrifying stories of animal attacks. Animals you might see every day on TV or in your day-to-day -day life. Animals you don't want to see the dark side of. Before we begin, I do want to let you know that I'm looking for scary stories from fast food places. If you've got one, send it to me with the links in the description. And here are the five first commenters from my last video. A Human Failure says, are you sure this is darkness prevails and this world is a strange one? Well, if it's not, you're probably in a very boring dimension. Sirius Black says, the best things happen Oh wait, wrong channel. I actually read a story for Chilling Tales for Dark Nights once. Sadly, I didn't come back because people hated my voice. And now I have you all as my new victims. Messi Ronaldo says, can you do a video about real animal stories like bears and wolves? Well, Messi, today's your lucky day. Ned Flanders is back with, hey guys. Ned, dude, I love you, but you can't just sit around all day refreshing my channel page. And Arctic Ranger AJ says, hi, darkness. Considering your profile picture, who's a good boy? Now, onto those scary stories. Number one, the dog next door, submitted by Ivan the Doll. The thought of being attacked by an animal is terrifying, any animal really. But I never thought I'd be the victim of such an attack as I'm an animal lover. But something happened when I was five. Way back then, I was really short and weak for my age. And of course, being a child meant that I couldn't protect myself physically from everything. At the time, I had two dogs named Cookie and Jordan Jordan wasn't allowed outside because he liked to run away. Cookie is allowed outside. She always liked to stay close. We liked to go on walks together around the neighborhood. She was a black pit bull mix with a Labrador and she was a very sweet dog. While I was on a walk with her one day, she wandered off into the next door neighbor's backyard. I ran into the yard to try to get her back what I didn't see while I ran in there was a sign reading, beware of dog. I tried to look for her, but I didn't see her anywhere. I figured she probably left the yard already. This was so much unlike her, I remember thinking. I turned around to leave where I came from to search elsewhere, only to see the biggest dog I'd ever seen. It was at least three feet tall standing on its paws but from end to end, it was easily six feet long. It was a German Shepherd, and it blocked the gate so that I couldn't walk out. I was scared, standing there in shock. 
I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what it was going to do. It was the first time I'd ever been in a dangerous situation alone. I don't believe the owners were home at the time and my family was inside, probably not even wondering where I was. They often let me be pretty independent. It began to growl and walk towards me, angrily showing massive teeth. I snapped out of my trance and backed up. It was coming closer and closer by the second. I screamed, and as soon as I screamed, the dog lunged at me. It grabbed me by the foot, biting into me and dragging me out of the fence that I had opened. I was crying the entire time. The pain was immense and my fear was even more so. Suddenly, I saw Cookie coming towards me. She growled and snapped at the other dog, but she was no near as strong or big. With one quick snap, it bit her and she ran away in pain and fear. The dog grabbed me again, this time by my hand. I screamed once more. The pain was so bad, it felt like it was trying to bite off my hand, like I was some sort of chew toy. My grandpa noticed the screams and cries and ran over to the scene. He saw me getting dragged away by a giant dog. He ran over and kicked the thing. My grandpa was around 40 at the time. He was still very strong for his age. He kicked and punched the dog off of me and finally, I was free but I had to be taken to the hospital, but I was going to be okay. As I lay in my hospital bed, my grandma let me know that Cookie was safe and that I almost broke my hand. To this very day, I still have the scars on my arms and in my knee of when I was dragged by that big dog, and the neighbors had to put down the dog knowing it was such a danger to other people. Now both Cookie and Jordan have passed away. Our remaining dog is very protective and he's very leery of other dogs, which makes me confident that something like that will never happen again. Number two, Giant Whale Attack. Submitted by Sims 3 Forever Dude. Several years ago, my family and I were on a whale-watching tour on the Pacific Ocean. There was another family on board, as well as a top whale expert and a tour guide, both of whose names I can't remember. At the time, we were specifically looking for blue whales. We noticed some bubbles off in the distance and we moved closer to them. We realized that we had stumbled upon a blue whale feeding ground and there were about 10 to 15 of them in total. Suddenly, this absolutely huge, massive, and gigantic hulk emerged from the dark ocean depths. The blue whales panicked and scattered around like crazy as this absolutely huge whale came up to the surface. We quickly turned our boat around when, I kid you not, this whale began to come towards us following our boat it was like it was chasing us. We were all yelling and screaming like five-year-olds, but no one else was around to help us. Suddenly, the boat began to tip to one side. In a matter of moments, 
Something under the boat had pushed it up in such a way that the only people remaining on board were those of us that were able to hold on to something. The rest had fallen into the water. I was holding on for dear life by a rail, praying through my teeth that this would be over soon, that I'd still be in one piece after all of this. But the boat kept tipping and tipping. I thought the boat was going to capsize. I really did. I remember thinking that this was it, that I was going to a watery grave in a few seconds. My eyes were closed tightly when I felt the boat coming back to its other side. The whale had apparently released us, and the boat was coming back to its bearings after rocking violently for a bit. When we were all standing and began helping everyone out of the water, there wasn't a whale in sight. It was gone. They were all gone. The expert and the tour guide agreed that it was a massive blue whale, much bigger than any of the ones they'd seen before. The tour guide said if he had to theorize what happened, it was this. The whale was probably already a bit peeved that so many other whales were there to feed on the krill in the area, so it didn't take too kindly to something else coming for its food, something like a tour boat coming towards it. Luckily, no one was hurt, but you better believe that I stayed out of the water for a while after that. Being reminded of how small you are can do that to people. I've never been more scared in my life, and I guarantee you, I will never be more scared after that incident. So to that colossal blue whale that attacked our boat, I hope I never see you again. Remember everyone, every time you go out onto the water, you're taking a risk, a risk with your own life. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, 
Priceline. Number three, The Poolside Horror, submitted by Andrew S. I'm a 20-year-old guy, just a little over six feet, weighing in at about 300 pounds. I'm not overly out of shape, but I'm no bodybuilder either, kind of in between fat and fit. Now, with my added weight, I'm a little stronger than the average guy out there, so I pretty much feel I can handle myself well enough, and not a lot of things scare me. My family really enjoys camping during the summer, we often go up north on fishing trips. And on this particular occasion, we were going to Elk Lake in Ontario. It was also a bit of a family reunion, which was being held at a nearby farm. My mother is a bit of a pampered camper, so we had to have running water, electricity, and a plumbing system. We went up one week before the reunion to enjoy the campground by ourselves and we'd eventually have to park up at the farm as well, but only for three days. I won't go into detail about the reunion itself because nothing happened up there. It was boring, honestly. As you probably guessed by the title, this happened at the pool. I can't remember the name of the campground it was in, but it had a medium-sized pool fenced in with no lifeguard on duty. It was more of a swim at your own risk kind of deal but I'm a decent swimmer and I didn't get bothered by that. This particular pool was right beside the forest, so wild animals were a common occurrence. Nothing incredibly dangerous, usually deer or early morning birds, and the occasional raccoon or fox. All of that would be gone by late morning and would return by late evening, long after the place closed at 9 p.m. So there were no wolves or bears or anything like that. Nothing really dangerous that ever got too close. Now, when we first arrived, we were told by a ranger that a family's dog had gone missing, a six-year-old golden retriever. We had a 10-year-old dog of the same breed in the truck with us, which is why we thought he said anything about that dog at all. We thanked the man and went on our way. Three days later, my younger sister and younger cousins and I were at the pool for the day. It wasn't overly crowded, but it still had a good 20 people or so in the area at one time. Everything was normal. Kids splashing and screaming and doing regular kid things. The adults were relaxing on those long chairs, reading or sleeping or getting annoyed by the kids. I was keeping an eye on B, one of my younger cousins, B didn't know how to swim, but hasn't had much time to try. So I stayed with him, playing kitty games with him in the pool, slowly teaching him how to swim and how to be in the water on his own. He got the hang of it pretty fast. I was never out of arm's reach of B. Being much older than these kids, I was able to get away much quicker than the others, all while spinning around to stay with B. Anyway, as the kids' game was wrapping up, a high-pitched scream echoed from the showers beside the pool, and an attractive girl around my age ran out from behind the corner and ran towards who I thought was her little brother around the age of three or four and held him close. 
It was then that I noticed her leg had a huge bite mark in it. She limped with her brother, crying all the way and screaming for help. Then a golden retriever came running around the other side of the fence and the girl started screaming more than before. As it paced the fence, everyone soon ended up on the far side from it, except for the first victim and her little brother, who were still crying hysterically by now. The dog began to bash the fence hard enough for it to bend in enough to jump over. It looked like the girl had hit the dog hard enough for it to let go of her. It looked like a battered mess, and it was angry. As soon as it was inside the pool area, it began to stare everyone down and then looked towards the girl it had bitten. I yelled, get out, to the dog, trying to scare it away, but it didn't budge. Everyone else took off, leaving those two alone with the dog. I yelled to my sister to take B and to go to our dad, who in mind was the only person who could go toe to toe with a rabid dog. I, on the other hand, for some reason, I still don't completely understand why I decided to take on the dog and protect the girl and that child. I guess I was just that scared. And I knew that with our own dog, who was slightly larger than this one, I could overpower him and he was no pushover. He was often getting into fights with other dogs and I had to pull him apart from them. Anyway, as this dog lunged at me, my reflexes kicked in and I swatted it away as hard as I could, causing it to land on the ground on its side as it hurried back up to its feet. I was shaking. I was horrified and afraid, but there was nothing else I could do. When it was back up, it began to bite towards my legs, trying to get a grip of my shins. And each time it did, I punched it in the head, nearly getting bitten a few times. Now, you need to understand that I grew up in the woods around animals of all sorts. I knew the difference between a rabid animal and one that's just hunting, and this dog, for whatever reason, was hunting. I don't know why it was targeting people like it did, but whatever the reason was, this dog would not back down, no matter how many times I heard it, and still, there was no help coming. Soon I found myself with a few bites on my legs and I was beginning to get exhausted and lightheaded. In a quick and terrifying moment, the dog jumped at me again and I managed to push it into the water. Immediately, it scrambled to get out of the pool, but I wasn't going to let it. For about 15 minutes, I stood there, keeping it from getting out of the water. You have to know that I just wanted to protect us, that I didn't want to hurt this dog, but it was in the water for so long, still snapping at me when I reached towards it, that it grew too tired to keep swimming. And by the time my dad and more help reached us, the dog was in the water and it wasn't swimming anymore. And me, as well as the woman and child, we were all crying and in pain. My dad calmed the girl down and treated her leg, and my grandpa got her to a hospital, and as soon as my dad calmed me down, 
we got some medical attention to me as well. After a few days passed, everyone at the campground knew what had happened, but thankfully, no one wanted to talk about it. The dog's owners left the same night after it happened. The girl who was attacked happened to be my age and had already had a bad history with dogs, so I'm sure this kind of made up her mind about that species. She thanked me a thousand times for helping her and protecting her. But what I couldn't stop thinking about was the way this dog targeted her when she was alone. I wondered why it chose her over all the children in the area. It was scary and strange to say the least. But now, after this experience, because some people couldn't contain their dogs within their fences and household, I'm forced to remember the scene of that dog floating lifelessly in the water. That was the most horrifying moment of all. I try to remind myself I had to do what I had to to survive. Number four, The Great White Nursery, submitted by AJ. This happened back in 2005, during my first year as a beach lifeguard in Southern California. I basically grew up in the water, from surfing to water polo, swim team, and more, and I was about to start work in the marine biology field as well. The point is, I'm pretty adept and prepared for anything in the water, emergency or otherwise, that might happen. Well, it was a weekday around five in the morning. This was honestly one of the easiest shifts. The only people at the beach this early on a weekday were locals and surfers, people who were familiar enough with the terrain and water that there really wasn't much to worry about. They're all experienced and cautious swimmers for the most part. That morning, the water clarity was even worse than normal. This beach had a lot of sediment, and it had just rained a few days ago before pushing that sediment into the water. I noticed a group of seals swimming against the tide, trying as quickly as possible to make it to dry land. This was never a good sign. They should have been in the water this early, hunting for food and tending to their young. Something had obviously spooked them, and I knew exactly what it might be. It wasn't people. They're not really scared of people. It was probably a shark. This particular cove was known to be a nursery for great white sharks. Locals here knew this was the case, but we're pretty arrogant about expressing any fears about swimming. It's our land, you know, and we're not gonna let these sharks keep us out of the water. That's how I felt, to be honest. Shark attacks, after all, are extremely rare. You're more likely to pass away from a bee sting or get hit by lightning than get eaten by a shark. They really just don't attack people that much. Either way, I decided it might be a good idea to clear the beach and start bringing everyone to the shore. The lifeguard who was partnering with me, however, had seniority, 
and he was against inciting a panic without any evidence. Despite my explaining to him that the seals were evidence, plus if there were sharks in the water looking for food, nobody would see it coming considering how murky the water was. It just wasn't a good idea, but he didn't listen. So the lifeguard in me had to agree with him, but the fledgling marine biologist in me did not. I decided to sit on the edge of the tower with my gear ready, and I watched the surfers, waiting their turn to catch the waves. I was ready for anything to go down at any time, and something inside me knew something bad was about to happen. I figured the surfers would be the easiest target. They would probably be mistaken by a great white. They might look like seals to the sharks. Almost as soon as I finished that thought, I saw every surfer on their boards, swimming for their lives towards the land. For half a second, I gave the senior guard an annoyed look while simultaneously getting my whistle and loud horn to clear the beach before anyone got hurt. I began running towards the water to assure everyone was getting out as this was now a mandatory water evacuation. People's lives could be in danger. Turns out I was too late. As I ran into the shallow turf, I noticed a panic between two of the surfers. They were grabbing below the waterline and grabbing towards something that I couldn't see yet. The panic was something different from that of fear for the shark. They looked to be in desperate despair and it had my adrenaline pumping as well as my fear. And then I saw it. They were trying to pull another person with them behind their board. I helped them pull an unconscious person out of the surf. The sight was horrible. I looked down and his leg was badly injured and bitten like someone had unzipped his leg. One of the sharks had really torn him up, but he was alive and I was going to make sure he made it. He had a pulse, but he was in shock. I had to stop the hemorrhage of one of his veins or he'd be gone in minutes. His girlfriend was hysterical and had to be restrained by the other guard. I continued to do everything that I could for him before the ambulance finally arrived. Luckily, the guy was alive, but he ended up losing his leg. Here's a good lesson for you. If the water is that murky and the other animals out there are too afraid to go in the water, there's probably a good reason why you shouldn't be in the water as well. And number five, my own dog, submitted by Michael M. Fourteen years ago, when I was around five, my family had a Shiba Inu. You know, the blonde dog from those Doga or Doge memes. He was a sweetheart. For as long as I knew him, he was a gentle and friendly dog. He even loved meeting strangers, so he was definitely a terrible guard dog. His name was Scout, and he was my best friend. But something happened that broke my heart 
and put me into a state of shock. One day, I was home with my grandma looking after me, as she often did. My parents were out at the time, running errands for a while. As usual, I was playing fetch with Scout, one of his favorite games. He loved to toss around his little stuffed pig toy back and forth. It was cute. It was cute until it happened. I tossed the toy at one point and Scout fetched it. He was wagging his tail as he walked back to me, but this time he didn't put the toy on the ground in front of me. So I figured he wanted me to tug of war with him a little bit. So I got down from the chair I was sitting in. I got down on my knees to grab the toy he had in his mouth. And when I reached for it, in the blink of an eye, Scout snarled, bit my face, then ran away with his tail between his legs. He knew what he had just done. He knew he did something bad. But how bad was it? It didn't hurt very much. I remember not feeling the injury. Well, actually, I couldn't feel the entire right side of my face. But when my grandma saw me and screamed, I knew it was awful. Basically, that side of my face was hanging off. After half a dozen procedures and some skin grafting, it was a scar that never healed completely. Out of fear of it happening again, Scout had to be put down. He was unpredictable. To this day, I still don't know why he did what he did. I miss him, and I feel both betrayed and heartbroken when I think about it. We call them pets. We call them beautiful. We call them cute. Animals are animals. Some have become domesticated, while most haven't. But domesticated or not, animals of any kind can create chaos and terror. You can truly never know what your own dog will do. You never know what animal you might stumble upon in the wild, what animal you accidentally angered in some way. So watch yourself. You're constantly surrounded by unpredictable animals. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And don't forget to send us your fast food scary stories with the links in the description. Stay safe out there and stay creepy.